This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good. But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do refrigerators keep food cold? Who really invented the radio? What was the worst video game of all time? On Tech Stuff, we answer these questions and more. You can get brand new episodes of Tech Stuff every Wednesday on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Welcome to How Stuff Works Now. I'm your host, Lauren Vogelbaum, a researcher and writer here at How Stuff Works. Every week, I'm bringing you three stories from our team about the weird and wondrous advances we've seen in science, technology, and culture. This week, studies have shown that the way you walk can predict your personality, and even your behavior. And, unrelated, horses have officially joined the ranks of non-human animals that can communicate with us using simple symbols. But first, senior writer Jonathan Strickland brings us new research into whether bicycle helmets equipped with airbags are really safer than traditional helmets. A group at Stanford put them to the test. Let's see how they held up. First, in case you aren't aware, there are bike helmet airbags. Typically, they're packed inside a pouch that you wear around your neck. The pouch has sensors on it to detect changes in orientation and acceleration that indicate a crash. At that point, a triggering mechanism inflates the bag, which swoops up over the back of your head to protect you. An early bike helmet airbag called Hovding received support from a Swedish insurance company called Folksum, which said according to their studies, the airbag was by far more effective than traditional bike helmets at preventing traumatic brain injuries. Stanford's results support this conclusion. Researchers suspended mannequin heads containing sensory equipment upside down and then dropped them onto a hard surface. Some of the mannequins were wearing deployed airbag helmets while others wore traditional bike helmets. According to researcher David Camarillo, the airbag version had, quote, the potential to reduce the acceleration of impact by a factor of five, end quote. Further, the study says that airbag helmets can achieve up to an eight-fold reduction in the risk of concussion compared to standard helmets. Airbags are softer and larger than normal bike helmets and can absorb energy more effectively, distributing the impact. 
In a TED Talk in April 2016, Camarillo said that more kids got a concussion from cycling accidents than through any other sports activity. According to the CDC, this is true. Though you have to keep in mind that more kids ride bicycles than play contact sports. It doesn't necessarily mean that cycling is more dangerous than full contact football. But Camarillo's point was that kids do sometimes receive concussions in bike accidents, and that, more importantly, traditional bike helmets don't do a good job at preventing concussions. Camarillo said that the purpose of bike helmets is to prevent skull fractures, which isn't the same thing as a concussion. A concussion occurs when an accelerative force makes the brain stretch, twist, or bump into the inside of the skull. It's an internal injury that results in chemical changes in the brain, and it can have serious effects. So a traditional helmet could protect your skull from breaking while failing to prevent a concussion. The way we test bike helmets in the U.S. is within the context of skull fractures. If we take concussions into consideration, airbags suddenly look much more attractive, but they're tricky to test. Not only do you need to prove they are better at preventing cyclists from receiving concussions, but also that the triggering mechanism will deploy the airbag quickly, safely, and under the right circumstances. It's still a long road ahead before we see bike helmet airbags as a legal alternative to standard helmets. Next up, staff editor Christopher Hasiotis has a story for us that he worked on with one of our freelance writers, Jesslyn Shields. It turns out that horses can be taught to communicate with us using symbols, more easily even than the researchers involved had hoped. Humans and horses have lived and worked together for thousands of years. Although we've succeeded in teaching these creatures to take direction from us while we ride on their backs, carry us into battle like it's no big deal, and drag farm machinery around behind them, horses have never been considered among the smarter animals. This is due in part to our notion that another animal's intelligence can be demonstrated through how readily it learns to communicate with us about what it wants. But between humans and horses, communication has traditionally been viewed as one-sided. You tell the horse to turn left, the horse turns left or runs back to the barn with you on its back if it doesn't feel like turning left. And that's not really a conversation. However, a new study published in the journal Applied Animal Behavior Science finds that horses actually can be trained to use symbols in order to tell humans what they want, a cognitive step beyond knowing that a nuzzle might get them an apple or a carrot. A group of Norwegian researchers worked with 23 horses, all accustomed to wearing blankets in the cold. The horses, not the researchers. These researchers trained them to indicate whether they'd like their blanket put on or removed by pointing to one of three different symbol boards posted on a fence. The horses were given carrot pieces as a reward for displaying quote-unquote right behavior. But unlike most horse training, the behavior the trainers were looking for didn't involve correctly completing human-serving tasks, like stop, turn, change gate, or come this way. Instead, the horses received rewards when they correctly communicated to the trainers whether they were feeling hot or cold at the moment. They could do this by pointing with their noses to one of the three icons, which essentially meant 1. Take the blanket off, 2. Put the blanket on, and 3. Please don't mess with my current blanket situation, everything's great. At first, the researchers rewarded the horses with carrots when they demonstrated correct behaviors. For instance, any choice the horse made. Wrong responses, on the other hand, were ignored like touching the blanket on symbol when the horse already was wearing a blanket. The horses received training for 10 to 15 minutes a day, and for no more than 14 days. And in this time, all 23 horses in the study mastered the communication method. In fact, on average, members of the herd learned to recognize, understand, and choose between the symbols in just 10 days. 
The horses didn't outperform some of the other Smarty Pants animals that can learn to communicate with us through symbolic vocabularies and gestures, dolphins, apes, and pigeons among them. But this study adds to what we know about how horses think, and it could change how all of us interact with our equine friends for the better. Finally this week, I've got another story for you from our freelancer Jessalyn Shields. Hat tip to Jessalyn. A couple different teams of researchers have posed the question, what does your walk say about you? The answer, it turns out, is probably quite a lot. Human movement is complex, yet we constantly draw pretty accurate conclusions about people based on how they move. If you've ever, for example, watched John Travolta strut to the Bee Gees at the end of Saturday Night Fever, you know the other hour and 57 minutes of character development in that movie is kind of superfluous. That walk tells you all you need to know. The act of walking, though seemingly simple for many people, is actually a highly coordinated series of movements that each require their own timing and path. Not only that, everyone has a distinct style of walking. Think about John Wayne's swagger or Naomi Campbell's stride. And if you know someone well enough, you can probably identify them by their movements, even from far away. Uh, think about if your mom and sister were walking side by side a block ahead of you. It's likely you'd be able to tell them apart based on movement alone. It's even possible you'd be able to discern from that distance if your sister is in a good mood or if your mom is distracted by something. But science suggests that locomotion may be able to predict something deeper than someone's temporary mood. A new paper published in the Journal of Nonverbal Behavior presents a technique for making assumptions about a person's entire personality based on their walk. The researchers, a team out of the University of Portsmouth, had 29 study participants first take the Big Five inventory, which is a commonly used personality test that can help predict patterns in five areas. A person's thought and behavior, uh, their conscientiousness, their social skills or agreeableness, their propensity to worry or neuroticism, their creativity and intellect or openness, and their extroversion, their sociability and assertiveness. They then had each participant walk on a treadmill, and they recorded and analyzed their gaits. They found that larger movements in the upper body compared with the lower body were a strong predictor of aggression, uh, and that large amounts of pelvic movement are predictors of social traits, extroversion, and agreeableness. But this goes beyond knowing from a glance whether your significant other is in a bad mood. This research helps mathematically explain previous research where distinctive gaits were helpful in predicting impending crimes and footage from security cameras. The University of Portsmouth team proposes that if security personnel were trained in recognizing aggressive gates, they might be able to prevent even more crimes before they happen. Other research has also indicated that people's behaviors can be predicted by how they move. The journal PLOS Computational Biology published a computational model that can generally predict the path and timing of different parts of people's movements. The model can also use a person's movements to make educated guesses about their personality traits, like aggressiveness, or mood, like grouchiness. By modeling what's normal, the researchers created a framework for identifying movements that differ from the norm and are unique to a particular person, or to someone who's just acting really weird. In the future, could this technology be used to prevent robberies or defuse potentially violent situations? And would that be a good thing? Or could it lead to unfair targeting of innocent people whose brains and movements happen to fall outside the norm? We'll keep an eye out for updates. That's our show for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe now for more of the latest and strangest science news, and send us links to anything you'd like to hear us cover. Plus, your favorite bizarre historical fact. 
or of the sickest burn you've ever heard from history. You can send us an email at nowpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And, of course, for lots more stories like these, head on over to our home planet, now.howstuffworks.com. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.